0: And welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, April 17th. And on today's podcast, we are doing a full slate breakdown for every game two of the NBA playoffs. Now, before I get into that, I do need to offer you guys a quick apology. While I am a very math-centric person in the way that I approach sports betting, I'm sure you could tell that in the last episode, we went through my plus EV. We were calculating implied probability. We were reviewing the formula. We were talking about percent likely outcomes of certain key numbers. Everything was very knee deep in the weeds of NBA numbers in the way that we were placing bets and evaluating the bets that we placed. But on the flip side, I'm also a very spiritual person. So let me explain that to you. I believe in crystals. I believe that the black obsidian and the shungite that I have placed near my electronics absorbs the negative ions that those things release and protects me from bringing in that negative energy. I have green crystals in my bathroom that signal clean energy so that when I am washing, I am absorbing that clean energy as well. I have ones that bring in new fresh energy for the day on my windowsill, and I have crystals that promote good sleep on my bedside table. My coffee table books say your birthday and your relationship, your birthday and you, I am also a firm believer in astrological signs. I believe the lunar cycle affects my mood, my hormones, my appetite, certainly affects my dog's appetite. So like, Mike, what the hell are you getting to? Well, I also believe, even though I'm very math-approached in my gambling, I believe in the gambling gods. I believe they do exist. And on the last episode, I set us up for failure. I kept over and over and over talking about how as long as you do this process, you could forego a small sample size and not care about the results. Well, the gambling gods heard me loud and clear and said, oh, you don't care if you win these bets? Okay, let me hand you these L's and see how it tastes. To which I respond, bitter, like the fucking chocolate without the sugar in it. So let's try this again. Today, I'm going to review a similar process. We're going to do another slate breakdown, But I do, I really, really, really care about winning these bets and having a bounce back. I'm going to burn some sage, light some Palo Santo, do all of the, you know, remedies needed to brew us up a winning slate. Before we get started, let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle 14 to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I would love some written reviews and five stars in Apple Podcast. Please, please, please go to the show homepage, scroll to the bottom, and click leave a review, write a review, whatever it says. I would greatly appreciate that. And if you would like access to all of the handicappers in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord, if you are an MLB fan, you should highly take advantage of the promo code ABSURD for 75% off your first month. You got about two weeks left of that being available. I don't think we will ever have a discount deal like that in the wager pass again. So be sure to take advantage. And oh, oh, nice. Be sure to take advantage. Nice little pun to get us started. And the way that we're going to do this slate breakdown is we're actually going to go in reverse order of all of the game twos because I realize I'm recording this on Monday at 12 o'clock my time. I'm not sure when it's going to be posted. And I'm not sure when you guys are going to be able to listen to it. And with games tipping off in just a few hours, I want to make sure that perhaps you're listening to this on Tuesday. You don't need to listen to the first 10 minutes of me talking about Monday's game. But again, if you do listen to this Monday, you can get ahead and bet on Wednesday's game and you'll still hear the information for Monday's game at the end. So I'm going to go in reverse order to save the procrastinators because procrastinators, I still appreciate you listening and trying to get ahead of the market. The first game we are going to talk about is the Minnesota Timberwolves in Denver for Game 2 of that series. An absolute Denver beatdown in Game 1. I think Minnesota scored an embarrassing 80 points. Certainly don't expect that to happen again. I wouldn't overreact to any of these Game 1s, but let's evaluate this line and where it opens. So the line for Game 2 opens as Denver minus 8.5. For me... This triggers a first-round favorites system bet. Remember, the four criteria for that were a 1 or a 2 seed in the first round of the NBA playoffs as a favorite with the spread between minus 4 and minus 25. So we have the Nuggets as a 1 seed, first round of the NBA playoffs, favorite with a minus 8.5 spread, checked all four boxes, so when this line dropped, I bet into it immediately. It was a system play for me. However, we are seeing the line move where the juice change, the line hasn't moved. It stayed at 8.5, but it opened at a minus 112 juice, and now FanDuel's offering it at minus 108. So they're saying, we're offering you the same bet, but you'd have to pay less money to take the Denver side. You have to pay slightly more money to take the Timberwolves side. I don't see this line moving. I think we've reached stalemate in the 8.5 line, which I think the minus 108 is actually a good bet to take right now. We saw the early steam for game one, the pregame movement, actually go towards Minnesota. However, the line closed at eight, and Denver covered the spread. So I think we can be rest assured that this is going to stay at eight and a half again. And so if you want the Denver side, getting in on the minus 108 provides a slight boost in the value. If you want the Minnesota side, uh, I would probably wait. I don't see it going to nine considering the juice change to plus 114. I would expect it eventually to balance out to minus 110 or for you to be able to find a minus 110 at another book. I'm on FanDuel right now. So don't take the minus 114. You could probably find the same line at slightly better juice by line shopping and having multiple accounts. The next game we're going to talk about is the Miami Heat back in Milwaukee for the second game of that series. Miami steals game one on the heels of Giannis hurting his back. So. Game two opens at Bucks minus six. I jumped in on it because I've seen Giannis get hurt in the playoffs and I've seen him respond and be a okay. I mean, he missed a few games when he crazy hyperextended his knee, but then he came back like the Greek freak that he is. If there's any replica of the durability and body that LeBron James is, his name's Giannis Antetokounmpo. So... I knew I was pretty sure that at a minus six, the way I felt about that line was the Bucs can cover this even without Giannis. And if Giannis is going to be played, this is going to be pushed back up to an eight and a half or nine line. I think Giannis got hurt in like first quarter, maybe early second quarter. So we did not get a full read on this game. Obviously Miami came out looking good, but I'm not going to overreact to one quarter, especially Miami losing Tyler hero as well. That's going to be such a big piece for them offensively and defensively, because even though Hero sucks, he's now being replaced by Duncan Robinson, who even worse than sucks on defense. So I like the Bucks minus nine. I'm not going to be middling it here because I would still even bet Bucks minus nine if I had to. If you're just coming to this with a blank slate, this also still fits the system criteria. Bucks are one seed. We're in the first round of the NBA playoffs. They're a favorite. And the spread is between minus four and minus 25 because it's a minus nine. So for me, I would still bet into the minus nine. I think we've talked about a higher ratio of games that end in a 10 plus. We certainly saw that in the first round. I think Heat won by 10 plus. Nuggets won by 10 plus. Lakers won by 10 plus. Uh, Celtics won by 10 plus, 76ers, I think, won by 10 plus. So... Lots of blowouts over half the games ended in double digits, so you can bet into that. You don't have to overly concern yourself with a nine point spread because we have a higher ratio of blowouts in the NBA playoffs than we do the regular season. The total in this game moved from 218 to 221 quickly, so it's being bet up in the total. I'm not gonna jump on this either way without Hero. And with Giannis being like, what if he, you know, gets hurt again and needs to step out? The offensive dynamics completely going to change. I'd like to see the if Giannis on defense could be a menace, and and the Heat without Hero might be just completely depleted. Of course, the Bucks play super fast and they invite a lot of threes, so they're generally an over team. So I don't want to play the under. I don't want to play contrarian. I just want to stay away from it completely. Two twenty one is the same place where Game One closed in the total. So uh, take that how you will. I probably don't expect that to move anywhere, and it's already been steamed up a bit. The L.A. Lakers-Memphis Grizzlies game two all depends on the Ja Morant injury news. So this line opens as a minus 1.5. It's still there. I actually jumped in on the Lakers plus 1.5 because here's my intuition. It's only for half a unit, but this is my thinking. I do think Ja Morant is going to be ruled out. I do think if that's the case, this line is going to swing even further to be Lakers as like a three-point favorite if we're playing without Ja, in which case I think that will be a massive overreaction, and I'm gaining positive value on my Lakers ticket for low exposure, but I would absolutely, in that scenario, if we can catch Memphis at plus money, I would 100% be grabbing the other side at larger exposure, opening up a small middle, and playing into fallen star theory. I'll explain that in one second. Um, That John Morant is not worth the difference between a game one four-point Memphis line and like a potential game two Memphis plus three. I would say John Morant and the results of game one are worth seven points. You can 100% miss me with that. So I would love, 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 love to get Memphis plus two, Memphis plus three. I grabbed Lakers plus 1.5 for half a unit simply because I think it's going to have good positive numbers and expected value. We're seeing money come in on LA despite that 1.5 remaining in the market. So if we get John Morant news out plus already money existing in the market on LA, this is going to fly the other direction. So I grabbed it now from a numbers play, but from a fallen star theory, give me Memphis. So, Fallen star theory is the idea that when a star player is out in their first game, back the team that's missing their star. And the reason for that is everyone else knows they need to step up. Everyone else is excited to step into those roles. First of all, this team also has familiarity with doing it. They've played and done well without Ja for the last two seasons. They even played in last year's playoffs against the Warriors and took a game without Ja I think that was in Golden State they might have won that. Maybe it was in Memphis. But they definitely won a playoff game just last year without John Moran. So they can do it. They've been there. They have won plenty of regular season contests without him. So if this line is going to swing that far, here's what's going to happen. Tyus Jones and the rest of them are going to play hyper-focused basketball. Ball on a string. Very high pace. They're hopefully going to be knocking down their shots. Role players shoot better at home. And for that reason, Grizzlies, I think, what, 35-6 and at home this season or something absolutely insane. One of the best home records in the NBA. Give me Memphis plus money at home if I could have it all day long. Again, I'm on the Lakers now, and that might be a little confusing simply from a numbers and where I project this to go. I only did half a unit because I didn't want to overexpose myself there. If we catch Fallen Star Theory and we catch seven points of overreaction, and Memphis plus three. That is what I'm drooling and thirsting for. So if you see that in the market, it's probably a two-unit bet on the other side. Let's talk about the Clippers visiting the Suns, and I loved what the Clippers did in game one. What a beautiful, beautiful thing using depth and Kawhi Leonard. So let me ask you guys a question. You could hit me back on Twitter with answers if you have any thoughts on this. If the Clippers win this series, who gets more credit? Is it more like Kawhi is immediately back to a top five player in the NBA? And like, what are we doing doubting Kawhi Leonard? He was always that dude. Or is it Ty Lu is, you know, top three coach. Playoff coach, Ty Lu always shows up. He's giving this Suns team that hasn't had much time to gel together crazy looks. If there's one person or if there's one coach that I know is just going to throw some weird shit at the Suns and really throw them off their game... It's Ty Lu. He knows this stuff. He is a veteran point guard in the league. He's coached for a long time, he coached with LeBron. He has tons of playoff experience. He's been undermanned in series before going against that Warriors team. He knows how to go against Durant in a playoff series. So, for all of these reasons, the Clippers have what it takes to get this done. So, line opens for Game 2 at plus 7.5. I jumped on Clippers plus eight in game one before that line eventually closed at plus seven. This line actually opened 7.5 some places and set Phoenix minus seven, the same place it closed for game two. The places that closed it at seven for game two already moved it to 7.5. So it's 7.5 in the market everywhere, but it's going to stop there. I think we had, the market has absolutely settled on that spot because we know the Clippers already were steamed in game one and covered the eight already. So we're not going to get an eight again in game two because it's just going to be steamed again, and we know that they can cover it. The Clippers have won now four games in a row, dating back to the three they needed to climb out of the uh, playing tournament. And for everyone giving the Clipper shit that why would you avoid the playing tournament to go get the Suns? Why? You should have dipped a few games. No, fuck you. They just took game one in Phoenix and stole home court advantage in this series. Clippers are now the four seed. For all intents and purposes, they're the five seed with home court advantage in that series. You call that the four seed. So Clippers are now the four seed in the West. We'll see if the Suns can take home court advantage by winning game two and game three. They'd have to steal one in L.A. But for me, give me Clippers plus 7.5, full unit. I think until uh, Phoenix can break what they're doing, if we're going to be catching that many points, if we're going to be getting over the three most common outcomes in basketball, 7, 5, and 6, then, yeah, give me the 7.5. I kind of expect this to go back to 7 where, where it ended for game 1. So I would jump in on the 7.5 if, if I were you if you want uh, the Clippers. This is not going back to 8. I'm also on the over 225 and a half. We saw it open at 225, immediately be steamed up. Game 1 opened at two twenty. Eight and steamed all the way down to 225 where it closed it game ended at 225 so it reopened right at 225 right you had all the information you need the previous game uh having its closing line there the actual results resulting in a push and the same game happening a few days later just open the same line right then and there so it opened there and it was quickly steamed up so seeing that steam up means okay I want to get in on it 225 and a half I don't think we were going to gain too much CLV in any of these playoff spots. Of course, we have that Bucks one where we're probably getting Giannis back now that it's a now it's a nine point spread and we jumped on the on the six. But that's going to be a rare example where we beat injury news. Where you can do that in the regular season way more than you can do that in the playoffs. In the playoffs, we are not going to overly gain CLV because we're having series. So we're having so much baked in information about where the line moved the previous game, where these results went. And we're not going to overreact to any of these small sample size situations. So for that reason, I think the over 225 is a solid play here. I don't think we're going to see this climb all the way back up to 228 like it was at for game one. But I think this could end around 226 and a half, 226. But either way, you're reading the market here and saying the over 225 and a half is the right play. And these teams didn't shoot that well. So I would expect the shooting to be a little better in game two as well. Um, Knicks Cavaliers give me the Cavs all day long in game two for a bounce back game. This has regression screamed all over it for some of these Knicks players, hitting some crazy shots, just toasting the Cavaliers on the offensive rebounds. I expect it to look a little bit different. Obviously, Cavs missing Kevin Love after substituting his minutes with pure Dean Wade and just not being able to get a rebound in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Kevin Love for Miami looking great, hitting huge shots, grabbing huge rebounds. Like That was a questionable at best move, what the Cavaliers did. However, I'm back to the well. I think Darius Garland gets more involved. I'll be playing Darius Garland in DFS. I will be playing the Cavs. I jumped in on the Cavs minus four. I wouldn't mind the Cavs minus five at all. I would go back to the well with the under as well. I think the Knicks are in for some regression, and I think this is a Cavs-scripted game written all over it. I wouldn't even mind some, like, Knicks-team-total-under-100 type of alternate spread escalator-type bets. Um, That's the the classic, like, don't overreact to game one. We're going to see the Cleveland come back and put a spanking on them. And if anything, that would be the series that I would peg to go quickly the other way. From everything that I saw, it seemed like the I would say like the Kings have a better chance of continuing to hold on than the Knicks do. That's my read so far. And the odds makers would agree. Kings are a plus two for game two. Knicks are a plus five. So expect Cleveland to bounce back in a big way. Boston, Atlanta opens at minus uh, no, it opened at minus eleven and a half, got seamed down to minus ten and a half. I quickly noticed the jump from 11.5 to 11, so I avoided it, and eventually got the 10.5, but I think I got it like, minus 112 juice. I'll have to check. You can get it at minus 110 now. You could have even yesterday got minus 10 at Caesars. Let me check real quick if it's still there. Yeah, you can get minus 10 at Caesars for... um, Minus 110 as well. So that would be the best bet on the board for this Celtics game. I also like the under 229. Open 229. Steamed under quickly. Back up to 229. That's exactly where game one total uh, ended as well. So not surprised to see it open back up there. Went definitely under. I love the Celtics defense. The Celtics offense is so freaking good. But they also scored at will for game one. So I expect a few counters. On the Atlanta side, I expect the 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 Hawks to shoot a little better. But at the same time, I expect the defense of the Celtics to still be the most elite force of this playoff series. So give me the under there. Give me the minus 10.5. I understand I'm asking for a lot here, given that favorites and overs are correlated. And I'm asking for the Celtics to cover a 10.5 point spread in an under 229 situation. So if you're tailing them, maybe you want to just tail one. In in one direction, but listen, game one worked out for for both. I like the way that the movement is going in the under, and I like the way that the the Boston Celtics still fit a first-round favorite system. So the steam is going towards Atlanta and the under, which is correlated dog under value, but I'm going to be playing Celtics and the under myself. Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors, all over the Warriors for game two. This is probably my favorite read of game two games so uh, I think the Cavs are going to have the strongest bounce back I think the Warriors are clearly due in for a win here too market says that this is the one to pin for the Warriors so the Warriors opened as a plus 1.5 79% of the bets 87% of the money on Golden State Line moving all the way to Golden State minus two. So it moved through the zero and it has moved three and a half points all the way to Golden State minus two from the original plus 1.5 that I jumped in on. Very happy to have a nice 1.5. Not going to open up a middle here. Of course, these key numbers, not super relevant. No fallen star theory to bank on. What I'm just avoiding is like, Every single shot came through for the Kings, it seemed. uh, De'Aaron Fox had two step-back threes in the fourth quarter. He had his own, like, little 10-0 run in the third. Uh, Malik Monk, 14-14 from the line. It seemed everything went right for this Kings team. Wiggins still had a shot to make it. Steph Curry took a floater instead of a three for the game-tying shot. Like, Steve Kerr is going to have his adjustments, the Warriors are going to be ready to take a a road game, and everything in the market reads this to be a Warriors play, so I'm very happily on the Warriors plus one and a half. Don't mind the minus two at all because of the key numbers here. Playoff game, there's going to be some late game fouling. The over-under went from 237 and a half up to 240. It's back down to 239 and a half. Definitely some general over-steam in the market. I guess you could say it's reverberating back down a little bit. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. You can say that the the correlated value is for Warriors here because it's going over, so they'll cover the minus two if they win. Like I don't think this is this game's ending in a two point game either direction, and I think this game makes for great escalator play. So could this be a game that ends in an eight plus? So you want to push that out to a minus seven and a half, minus nine and a half situation. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree with that. Let's talk about the 76ers-Nets game tonight. Oh, that Warriors game's tonight, too. I'm very excited for that. Uh, the 76ers back in Philadelphia against the Nets. Joel Embiid totally handled that double team beautifully last game. It, it, it gave him a little bit of pause quick in the beginning. He started getting rid of the ball first, and then he started moving on the catch and preventing the double from having any time from the weak side help to come. So that means the double had to come from the strong side help, and then he just picked it apart. So if the Nets are going to try that shit again, it's not going to work because it didn't work the first time. The Jacques Vaughn is, like, in the nicest way possible because he's so outmatched, but he's he's trying the right things. He's pressing the right buttons. These are the buttons that we didn't see Steve Nash pressing last year with, like, a talented team but he's just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. And it's not going to against this this overmatched Philly team. Harden looked amazing. I expect a big maxi game coming. I expect a big Embiid game coming. There's just no way I see uh, Philadelphia losing this second game at home. The only way to do that is for Brooklyn to start shooting the lights out of the ball. So it's going to be a Seth Curry-type game. It's going to be a... Dinwiddie type of five threes or Mikhail Bridges to have six threes like something Royce O'Neal uh, DFS like one of those guys Finney Smith is going to have like seven threes in order for the Nets to stay alive so if you want to target some like 20 point props choose one of them to, to hit their seven threes maybe play one of them in a dart throw GPA, G, GPP um, DFS tournament the way I'm playing this is taken. I got the 76ers minus nine and a half it's out to minus 10 now And then I'm on the over. I got it at 215. It's all the way down to 212 right now. So I'm clearly on a very bad line here being two and a half points away. I still love the contrarian over here. Like I don't understand the 76ers are an over team because they get to the line at will. And the Nets game plan is clearly going to be run and shoot threes against a team that plays a slower pace and tries to go half court and get to the line and set their defense and then play drop coverage with Embiid. So like, They're going to have to pick it apart using transition and threes. So this game screams over to me and also screams another escalator angle to me. Um, Before I wrap up, I want to quickly review escalator angles because they would have worked out beautifully in round one. I didn't play enough of them, and I haven't totally figured out which ones I'm going to play yet. But, like, that Nets game went, like, eight points over. That um, Celtics game, they won by what? Oh no, they only won by like 13. So they they that that total went 21 points uh under. The last thing I want to talk about is escalator bets. I want to remind you guys that playoffs are a great time to throw escalator bets. If you're already betting one direction, so say you're betting nets plus 10, you might as well take the money line plus 385. Like That's not an angle that I'm going to be on. I might be on the over 220 and selling eight points in the spread. The first game went 221 or 222. I expect this to be an overplay myself. I grabbed the over 215. Maybe I'll escalate that. To 220. Of course, that's being contrarian to the market. So I don't love doing that. Maybe it's Golden State Warriors taking them from a minus two to minus seven and a half or eight and a half. We just talked about that. Maybe it's the Boston Celtics Hawks under the game one under went like 21 points under the closing line. So that, that was crazy, crazy low. You could have sold. 15 points, gotten a four to one, and still hit it. The Knicks-Cavs game, Knicks-Cavs closed at that same Knicks plus five that it's at right now, and the Knicks won outright. So you could have taken the money line plus 172. You could have even sold points and gotten probably a three or four to one. The Clippers, they covered by 12 points and won outright. I talked about the Clippers money line being a possible escalator last time. Why isn't it now? They already proven that they could do it. The Lakers. were a a plus four in game one and ended up winning by like 16. The Miami Heat were a plus nine and a half and ended up winning by 13. The Timberwolves were a, what, eight point dog and they lost by over 20. The total in that game went 15 points lower. The total in the Heat game went over 10 points higher. Total in the Laker game, went over 10 points higher. Literally, if you took escalators on every single game, you would have been profitable. You have to remember there is higher variance in NBA playoffs than NBA regular season. The reason for this is because teams don't pull their starters. So in the regular season, when one team has a big lead, you will have the winning team pull their starters to rest their legs for the next game. And the losing team will keep their starters in, so you'll get a rotation of losing team playing their starters against winning team playing their bench players, and that provides the opportunity for a comeback. In the playoffs, the winning team will keep their starters out there as long as the losing team does too, and they will wait for the losing team to remove their starters and call the game. And then the winning team will remove their guys because they say saving legs means not playing the next game means, okay, if it's game five, we're closing that out now. We're not giving you any opportunity to come back. It's step on your throat time. This is where the rubber meets the road. Whatever expression you want to throw on it. So look towards escalator bets. We love the intensity of these games, but don't expect them to be super close. Of course, we had a great Kings-Warriors game. We had a great Knicks-Cavs game. I guess those were the two series that we were perhaps most looking forward to on both sides of the bracket, and we got it. Is that going to continue? I would bet not. So those are ways that I would look for escalators. I would definitely be searching the market for angles that you already like to bet heavier into. And I will be back later this week breaking down some B3s. as always.